Hey everyone, this is Mark. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast. Be sure to check out our website, exiledlector.com. Uh, we've got a treat there. We released a new logo today. We've been working on that pretty hard. If you want to be involved in a future episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can check us out also on Facebook. We're there. We're on Instagram. Lots of pictures from Monday's event. Just a quick note, we did record this live, so you are going to hear some of the background noise, and we've worked hard to get it as level as possible, but apologies in advance if the audio quality is a little lower than what you're used to, but bear with us. But for now, let's listen to our interview with Jack Taranya. As the torciadores, a.k.a. the cigar rollers, quietly rolled their cigars, and the despaliadoras, a.k.a. the strippers, stripped the stems from the tobacco leaves, they were entertained, informed, inspired, and enlightened by literature and the daily news. So began the tradition of El Lector, the reader. This is the El Lector podcast, stories and cigars from the exiled South, we hope you'll enjoy it. We're rolling. We're rolling. All right. Welcome to the Elector Podcast. We are recording live for later posting, at the Cellar Cigars Lounge in Coral Gables, Cigar a.k.a. Cellar. slash South Miami. Why do I always say that wrong? I don't know. Cigar Cellar Lounge in South Miami, Coral Gables. Uh, Rhea has uh, been uh, gracious enough to allow us to record here tonight. Everybody give her a round of applause. Yeah. I offered to interview her, and she said, hell no. <laughs> I told her it was that. in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she wasn't I'm, going for I'm it. I'm just excited to be in a disclosed location. Yeah. As opposed to an undisclosed location. Yeah. Melting into a puddle. Us. Exactly. Yeah. We're exactly. indoors. That's is exactly. this, yeah, the, is AC. this the first one? No, no. This is the first one in air conditioning, though. Okay. Because we usually do it in an undisclosed location on a very hot porch. I believe this will go up with this will be episode uh, four. That yeah. Goes on, goes yeah. This will be episode four. It drops on Wednesday. So who has uh, preceded me in, in this? Uh... I think our, our best reviewed episode is the one with Marcos's cousin, Nelda Perullero, who's a law enforcement officer. She told the story of her father, who was one of the um, uh, a leader of Brigade 2506. And, and yeah. here cool. in Miami for years after the revolution was, uh, you know, an outspoken yeah. Cuban revolutionary. And she talked about his uh, uh, cold case murder. And so, to, so if anybody's listening to this and you want to hear episode two is a great one to start with. Yeah. Just shut this one off and go to episode yeah. two because this is just Jack. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just, just Jack. That's right. That's right. Wow. So, so anyway. So Marcos, who are we interviewing today? Today we have with us the great Jack Taranio. Have you ever been to introduce hey! this great? <laughs> Jack's back. I brought my uh, cheering squad. Yeah. yeah. So, Jack is the, uh, I'm, I'm, tell me if I'm getting this right, the ambassador for the Taranio cigar line. I got that off your business card that you gave me. Well, you're rarely right, but this time you got it. I got it right yes. this time. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I, I always get it wrong. Yes. Uh, for uh, General Cigar, correct? Correct. Correct. That is That's correct. Great. And, and we, you've been gracious enough to, we're really thankful that you came to uh, do this interview today. Well, we have a little history with you guys. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. do, we do. So, speaking of history, so, uh, El Lector. The podcast started as a speaker event, and still is, and we, we've been doing it for nine years now, and the Taranio family of cigars came on at, at some point and, and, ho and were the cigar purveyors for most of our events, and um, the, you know, I remember when we did it, Jack, you were kind of wondering, uh, this is a, because we did a few of them at the church. Yes. Yeah, I was uh, a little concerned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a little concerned. That's okay. So yeah. was the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, it's understandable. You yeah, may yeah. notice we're no longer at the church. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We're here. So, so tell us what you know. I mean, what was that experience like? Like, yeah, I mean, us reaching out to you and 
that whole thing? Were you weirded out at all? Uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, we, we were not really invited uh, to do church <laughs> events um, in the courtyard of, I think, the Carl Gables Presbyterian Church. Yeah, I Granada, think Pres- yeah. Granada Presbyterian Church. And uh, so me and me and my cousin didn't really know what to expect and and how to behave, I think, you know, I, I've been, I've been thrown out of many churches in my life, so I didn't know, I didn't know exactly how to behave, but, but you guys are, uh, I mean, cool's a strong word, but it was a lot of fun. It was fun, yeah. We'll take fun. it, we'll take it. Almost yeah. cool. Yeah. We'll so take, we we'll interviewed, one of the interviews we did, uh, so the Elector podcast, the, or the Elector speaker series, uh, when someone comes and speak, we call them our Elector for the evening. So... One evening, Charlie Torano, your cousin, yeah, was yeah. a speaker. Yeah, and that was a, that was a that really was a sweet that was event. a great night. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Not my favorite though, actually. Which uh, one was your favorite? Uh, Gluck. What's his name? Talking to the Ted Ted Cluck. Ted Cluck. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. He was my favorite. He had yeah. ri- he had written a book about fighting Tyson. Yeah. And uh, he Facing was Tyson. he was very interesting and. And it was funny because we hit it off that night. We spoke for the longest time and shared cigars, and we hit it off. And next thing I know, I'm in his next book. Like, he mentioned me in his next book, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, uh, that was So I think Mark's going to try to get Ted up in a minute here. working to get that live now. And uh, so in the meantime, so that, uh, with the Charlie Torano uh, Lector, we, uh, we showed a film. That was the whole history of your, yes. of your family. Yeah, and we had a we had a, a DVD out called The Journey. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I wasn't in it. But yeah, but, well, uh, I got a copy of it. I'll, I'll give it to you. All right, I, I can edit, edit myself. No, I got I got plenty of copies. I'm just oh, not in the damn. Not any of them, huh? Oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think I think I came back in 2011, and they did it in 2010. Ah, and uh, yeah. so it left me out. But it's really nice, and it tells the whole story of of where my family started in the business and and, and past to present. Yeah. So we're gonna get into that because uh, we want to hear that story a little later on. Hey, what's up, boys? Can you hear me? Hey, there you are, Ted. How Ted. You doing, buddy? Hey. All right. All right. So we got a uh, little surprise. We brought uh, Ted Cluck on. Hey, Ted. This is Marcos. What's up, Ruiz? Good to hear your voice, baby. <laughs> How you been, man? It's good to hear you, too. Yeah, so thanks for coming on with us. Uh, Ted's being Skyped in from Jackson, Tennessee, right? That's right, oh, man. That's the place. Me. That's t- two things I got right tonight. That's great. So we Jack's we here. He just wanted, we just wanted you guys to say hi to each other. And uh, we, we know that, uh, that uh, you know, I, I spoke to Jack a few months ago. I spoke to Jack a few months ago, and he was saying that. Uh, what are you going to say? He was saying uh, how how happy he was that he was able to be in a, in a book, and this is a book that yeah. you wrote with your buddy, and uh, just wanted you to say hi to him. How you doing, Ted? Jack, what's up, man? It's been uh, it's been a minute for you and me, huh? It has, man. We had a good ni- we had a good time that night uh, chatting about Tyson and among uh, a, a lot of other things, and it was pretty uh, pretty cool to be. Uh, part of one of your books <laughs> yeah Man, for sure that was a, that was a great night and I, I want you to know that you know whenever I'm traveling and uh, and I need a cigar I always get a Toronto cigar man in honor of uh, in, in loyalty to that conversation so awesome, awesome. Um, yeah I always enjoy those man and always smoke them fondly and and remember that evening that was great it was a lot of fun now Ted what was the the, the name of your book because we just talked about how weird it was for Jack to do a cigar event at a church you know way back when what, what, tell yeah. us the name of your book the gentleman's yeah so the name of the book is The Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion and uh, it's a book that uh, a guy named Zachary Bartles and myself we wrote it a few years ago and yeah we just had had all these experiences you know traveling around having cigars with interesting people and um, we wanted to kind of collect these essays in in one collection also with some some cigar basics some how-to um, some thoughts on like theologians and kind of famous church people who smoke cigars over the years and uh, we just kind of threw it all together and uh, it's been a it's been a fun book man a lot of people have bought it and a lot of people have enjoyed it and uh, I don't think there was anything really like that out there at the time so uh, it was a lot of fun to do that with that like 30 of them so <laughs> yeah, and, and and what Jack doesn't know, or maybe he realized if, if he read the rest of the book, that he's he's in a he's now his name is preserved in a canon of great theologians who smoke cigars. That's which, right. Which is really interesting. So G.K. Chesterton, you know, C.S. Lewis, Jack Tarano, well, you know, household names in the theology world. <laughs> 
He's among the kings of theology, so yeah. So Dude, he uh, really is, yeah, yeah, in my mind as well. I Absolutely. So, yeah, Thank yeah. you, Ted. Yeah, yeah. So um, so when 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 we, you you had written a chapter on um, on elector and what we're doing, and just I, I just want to hear you say a little bit about that, like what what prompted you to to want to write that because we really want to promote this heavily. So it, we, we yeah, need to you know, that. I think just the uniqueness of the event. I mean, it was such a cool thing to to come down and visit Miami and meet you and see. Um, a church that, that was willing to do outreach like that, you know, to, to me, and I, I wrote this in the book, you know, cigar smoking has always been a great, just a great way to get together with, with people and talk for an hour. You know, it's not quick. Um, it takes a while to, to smoke through a good cigar. And while you do that, you get into a lot of great conversations with people. And I think that was really the, the spirit of El Ector. You know, it was a, an excuse for me to come to Miami and, and give a little talk about one of my books. But what I really enjoyed about the event was talking with you, talking with people like Jack, you know, talking about Christ, talking about life. Um, it was a really kind of relaxed and low key way um, to get a lot of people in the same room talking about interesting stuff. And uh, had such a great time at the first Elector that I came down a couple of years later and did another one. Uh, we were at Cuban Crafters that night, I think. Yep. And, uh, yeah, just had some great conversations with some folks there, man. And um, I wish there were more elector-type events around the country. I wish more more guys and more churches kind of felt the the call, if you will, to do similar events because I think it could be a great way to kind of get people engaged with uh, with the gospel and engage with each other. Yeah. Hey, Ted, this is Matt Hedinger. How you doing? Hey, Matt, I'm good, man. How are you? Good to talk to you again. I wanted to tell you a funny story. Um, for a brief period of time, I lost my mind, and I moved away from Miami. And uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I found myself in Maryland. And not exactly a big cigar culture place, but one of the guys right. there said, Oh, I, I know you like cigars. I got you something really special. And he brought me a book. And I opened it up, and it was your book. Nice. And I've never, I, you know, I'm not cool. I'm not important like Jack or even like Marcos here. But I was like, I'm in this book. <laughs> not by That's name. Awesome. Not by name, but because I know Marcos. So. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I said, yeah, Absolutely. I know this book. I'm kind of in it. So far-reaching. Cool. Far-reaching. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's man. outstanding, man. Very cool to hear that for sure. So, so Ted, um, what what's um, what what is what's some of the stuff you got going on? Yeah, I know you have a couple of podcasts, and I I even I mean you've even stretched your breadth of influence into film, right? Yeah, that's right, man. I'm working on a movie right now called Silverdome, and uh, it's crazy. It's a it's a full length uh, feature length drama. And I wrote it a few years ago about the old Pontiac Silverdome up in Detroit, which has just been sitting empty for like a decade plus. And I uh, wrote this story about uh, a fictional quarterback who used to play there in the pros who kind of has an existential crisis, leaves his family, leaves his, his life and goes to live uh, as a squatter in the Silverdome in his old stadium. And uh, the arc of the movie, it's really simple. His wife finds him there and the whole film is really just them kind of talking and reconciling. But um, ended up showing the script to a couple of a couple of friends of mine who had played in the NFL over the years, and uh, they really kind of fell in love with it. They felt like, you know, I was telling their story and telling the story of of guys who face that struggle after they get done playing ball. And um, we put a little group of investors and people together and, and made the film independently. So it's been a a wild ride of learning how to do independent film, learning how to do it at a high level. Um, kind of navigating investors and distributors, and uh, the film is shot. The film is uh, what? Uh, and we're in post production now, and starting to have, uh, starting to make deals with distribution and, and that sort of thing. So we're excited about it, man. Lord willing, you'll you'll see the movie in 2018, and um, I'm really encouraged by what I've seen so far. So I think we hopefully did justice to the place. You know, we wanted to honor. Uh, the stadium, all, all of us guys who are involved in the picture, you know, we all grew up going to games and um, some some of those guys in the Silverdome itself and just going to stadiums like that with our dads. So uh, we really wanted to honor the place, honor the, the experience of guys who who play ball and then struggle after their career is over. So yeah. um, hopefully we did it justice, but uh, it was a heck of a lot of fun to do it. That's for sure. That's awesome, man. I, I can't wait to see it. Um... And, and you also have a couple of podcasts, just if you want to shout them out really quick so people can look them up later. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing two podcasts. One is called The Happy Rant, 
And uh, I'm on with two, two guys on that one, Barnabas Piper, who's John Piper's son, uh, the co-host, and a guy named Ronnie Martin, who was big in, like, the electronic music scene in the 90s. So yep. kind of a, and well, a close like tooth and nail guy, I think. Yeah, he was. But, yeah. Uh, he was tooth and nail, right? Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, he was tooth and nail. He was a, he was a band called Joy Electric. Yeah, so yeah, Electric, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was his gig in the 90s, and now he's like a like an aging hipster pastor in Ohio. So, um, right. so he, he said leading worship is where rock stars go to die. So he's yeah, kind exactly. of evolved, yeah. evolved out of that and into, into pastoring. So uh, they're, they're great guys. We have a lot of fun on that one. And then uh, I have one called the Gut Check Podcast that I do with uh, Zach Bartles, the guy who co-wrote the cigar, uh, the cigar book with me. So, yeah. um, and that one is, uh, is even less structured and, and more free than the than the happy rant so uh, we have a blast zach and i actually just got back from israel so uh we were in israel for 10 days and recorded a bunch of episodes there and uh and just had a ball smoking and uh smoking in the holy land so it was <laughs> good awesome. times yeah i want to hear about that because i heard you mentioned that that you guys were going to do a lot of smoking down there so I, we, we need to find out about more about that later because i want to see what that was like uh, yeah, for sure. By the Dome of the Rock and stuff like that, smoking cigars is pretty cool. It was incredible. I mean, it was uh, it was really profound to be, you know, on the Sea of Galilee and in the Golan Heights and at the Mount of Beatitudes and all these places where, you know, where Christ walked and Christ ministered and yeah. uh, to be there with friends. You know, it was really special to be there with friends. And uh, the guy who led the, the group, his name is Cliff Graham, and his company is Good Battle Tours. You can check out goodbattletours.com. And Cliff is a former like special forces guy and he writes these super violent old testament war novels now that are incredible um they're just (laughs) crazy crazy good so we kind of toured old biblical battlefields that was the the gist of the tour and yeah uh cliff is a cigar aficionado himself so we uh we smoked a lot in the evenings and laughed and uh and told stories and recorded podcasts so it was pretty ideal from my standpoint excellent excellent well, Ted, thanks for joining us, man, and I'll, I'll let Jack say goodbye to you. Ted, good talking to you again, buddy. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have a cigar soon one day. Absolutely, man. Hey, Jack, drop me a note sometime, man, and let's let's just catch up. I want to know like where you're at and what you're doing and, and all that stuff. So, or you can, um, we or you do can that. watch this podcast. Ruiz, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. So we gotta we gotta get this Miami trip. Uh, you know, move it from theory to reality. At yeah, some yeah, we'll make it happen, and we'll bring you and Zach down for sure. Sounds great, brother. Hey, good luck to you guys, man. All right, Have brother. a great Thanks. show. Take care. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, so Jack, so you just came back, and you gotta, you gotta tell me, tell us where you just came back from last week. From the trade, the cigar trade show. It's called the IPCPR, and it stands for something. It stands okay. For International <laughs> Pipe Tobacco. I don't know. Yeah. Does anybody know what it stands for? Okay. International Pipe and Cigar. Something. Retailer. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. 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 And. You brought us a lot of goodies. Premium cigar and pipe retailers. There, there you go. go. You, you Google cheat over I've got there. Got a computer. <laughs> so uh, before we go on. So yeah, we, we all get together once a year. All the manufacturers kind of display your uh, whatever is new to the industry, whatever new brands, new ideas, new gimmicks, whatever the hell crap we're coming out with. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where we display it, and that's the one time a year the retailers come to us. Because we spend our lives going to them. So yeah, that's yeah. the one time a year they come to us. And uh, and uh, it's it's long days. Yeah. Long, long days. Yeah. So, and nights. So, yeah, and you brought us goodies, and we're very thankful for that. And before we go on, uh, when I say us, I didn't do this earlier, uh, everybody introduce yourselves here on the podcast. My name is Victor Labrada, and are we saying what, what are you smoking, smoking? Yeah, what are you smoking? I am smoking La Gloria Cubana. Which one? The, let me read this right, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, Colección Reserva. And this is one of the cigars you brought, That's right? one of the cigars I brought. It'll be released uh, next month. It's the 25th anniversary of La Gloria Cubana, which Sweet. is now a part of General Cigars. Oh, I didn't know that. It's yeah, a beautiful cigar. I'm so. Matt Hedinger, and uh, thrilled to be here and really excited. Uh, I'm smoking the same cigar that you brought us, and this is a real treat for me because this is one of the first cigars I started smoking. And so this is kind of like a nice full circle. This is a real treat. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark, I actually just finished a New World A.J. Fernandez cigar. I'm about to let That's up. it. You're out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm very much looking forward to the 
the Hoya that you, you brought for us. Okay. The Hoyo de Monterrey, no? Is it? Hoyo de Monterrey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm made up for Mark because I pregamed with the Toronto Green, the P044. Toraño, chico, Toraño. 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 Yeah, so yeah. What's, what does that number mean? <laughs> <laughs> it means whatever you want it to mean. Okay, blends, from, blends from the vault. Ah. Uh, when we brought this out, it was a number that designates a blend in the Taranio blend book. It was A004, which meant it was the fourth blend in the year 2000 in book A. So awesome. it had a meaning when it was back with Taranio. Now, it I don't okay. think it translated well to the general guys because they're just slapping numbers on it. Gotcha. That that don't designate what it should. So even with the transition to general, they're not, not going to hear this, are they? Don't don't overestimate our listenership. <laughs> okay. All right. Mark, cancel the Skype call from general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because I get to edit the podcast, I'm I'm smoking a hoyo here that you brought for me. It's fantastic. <laughs> hey hey wait a minute. I was the only reason I said this because I think there's a there's a cigar called Hoya, right? That's hoya a different Hoya de Nicaragua. Hoya de Nicaragua. Which is this is the Oyo silent H. Is silent. Yeah. yeah, I grew up speaking English. That's right. Hoyo. Yeah. So uh, what I was going to ask, Hova, which would be by Jay Z, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. But what I was going to ask was, so they kept the same blends when when they went to General, when it transferred to General. But yeah, the, the legacy brands of Taranio have remained the same blends. Now, okay. now General has access to tobacco that Taranio never did. So while the blends blends are the same, the tobacco is of a much higher quality. Mm. So you'll get a lot of people saying tastes a little different, you know. Right. Somebody's telling me that, that a 14-year-old Taranio Exodus 59 tastes different. It, it should taste different, yeah. you know. Yeah, which, by the way, that's that's always been my favorite, the Exodus. Look, I even have the hat nice. to prove it. Yeah, yeah. That's the Exodus a classic, 59 right? that's a is thing. amazing cigar. Yeah. Uh, I love because I, I love box press cigars like my friend Philip here in the audience does. So, yeah, he's, he's a big fan of those. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm being sarcastic. So, okay, so I'm Marcos, uh, and, and I'm smoking a Flor Dominicana because I, I got it before Jack walked in. And, um, but I have here, I have the, uh, tell us about these cigars. We already talked about the Gloria Cubana. What is this one with no? Uh, that is the Amazon Anaconda. It rain. is a, Amazon Basin was the original of that. It's using this Brazilian tobacco that's very hard to come by. And uh, it's a CAO blend. And um, that came out about, it came out three years ago. You, that tobacco is really only available like every three years. So hmm. the second version of Amazon Basin came out earlier this year, but it's limited to a couple thousand boxes. Wow. And then that sold out. The second part of it was one called Fuma Encorda, which means smoking rope. It translates to smoking rope. And if you see the way they age and ferment cigars, in the, the jungle over there, it's unlike what they do in Nicaragua or Dominican Republic, the lopilone that they use over there. They they kind of roll it into ropes, and then it's spun into spools. It's um, they, they have videos on it on YouTube. It's very interesting. And they discovered this, this fuma encorda tobacco, which they were using a lot more in pipe, pipe tobacco, but it has a unique flavor. That was the second one. That came out and sold out in two days, the, wow. the two or 3,000 box allotment. And then August 1st, this Amazon and Anaconda will complete the trilogy, and then it's all going away because that tobacco is not available anymore. So, Wow. So that's it. This yeah. is, this, I noticed this you took it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I took the yellow so, so, yeah. So, then, yeah, what I wanted to bring you guys, if you notice, I didn't bring any Taranio cigars. Taranio, the, the latest two that were released this year were released earlier in the year. So I wanted to bring stuff that nobody can smoke right now. It's, uh, it's the three cigars that we released at the show that aren't available till August and September. Okay. So I wanted you guys to get, you know, it's always cool to try something no one else can try. Yeah, That's definitely. A, we appreciate it, man. Yeah, we very much appreciate the And they're $10 each. By the way, you guys can pay me on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So the Oil de Monterrey, uh, the by AJ Fernandez. What, what's the? Because I remember you talking to Sepala. Well, I, I talked up the uh, the uh, the one that preceded this, the Hoyo La Amistad. Right, that came out. This is La Amistad Silver. Now the boxes and the bands don't look much different. Yeah, but it's a collaboration that General did with AJ, and it was my favorite cigar of last year. It was a lot of people's favorite cigar. That La Amistad was a spectacular yeah. blend that AJ put out. This yeah. is the follow up to that. This yeah, is the. I'm smoking La Gloria. I'm smoking that La Gloria 25th anniversary. And it's fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. fantastic cigar. So hey, listen, here, hold on. 
hold on. If, if anybody wants to try one of these cigars, they're in a box behind me. <laughs> My wife will help you pick one out. So I'm hiding mine. Yeah, yeah. we all put yeah, ours yeah. in our pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Help yourselves, because it's nice to, for you guys to smoke along with You us. can have some of our rum and bourbon, but you can't touch our cigars. So. Yeah. Hey, Phil, while you're over there, grab, <clears throat> grab the two that I didn't no, get. Not. It's oh, a, no, no, no. All right, so, and, and now, the, as far as the Torano line of cigars, wh which one are you most proud of now with the uh, the new line? Well, the the new line, it was, it was kind of re-envisioned again after General purchased the brand in 2014. Um, they started to re- kind of rebrand it to what they like. So they, they liked the, the Exodus. They liked the blends from the vault idea, that concept. So we went we went with that concept uh, and, and released. To make a long story short, Taranio, there was a lot of baggage involved with the brand after it sold. All our reps lost their jobs. This is a relationship-based industry. And, you know, a lot of these companies underestimate the, um, the, the relationship a rep has with a retailer. And if that rep is wronged or perceived wronged by the, by the manufacturer, the brand takes a hit. And Taranio took a big hit in 2014. And um, I went to work for another company for 18 months. And then when General re-envisioned and saw what they wanted to do with the brand, they brought me back to be the brand ambassador and kind of moving forward and, uh, and, and promoting this. The, the, they needed somebody in the family, right. so they brought me back. Good choice. Um, but what we've been pushing most is these blends from the vault. It's four unique blends, four unique flavors. They're beautiful boxes, colored boxes, so they attract attention, but a lot of retailers had sworn off Taranio, and the only way to get back in their hearts and minds and in good graces was to put out a cigar that was very low margin to general, but high margin to the retailer, and in turn, a great price point for the consumer. So they were making good money on the cigar. Consumers were attracted by the colorful boxes and um, and, and the history that Taranio, a lot of people have a good history with the brand, and, and they gave it a try again, and it's, and it's overwhelmingly gone. It's, it's definitely the, the new foundation that'll build the house of Taranio. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a cigar that, that is gonna make or break Taranio, but, but it will build that foundation. We've, we're in over 800 retailers in a year. Nice. And growing, and uh, and and now we're going to grow off of that, and and I can tell you what we're going to be doing. Yeah, if you're interested. Please, so, absolutely. So next year we're going to bring out the Legacy Collection, because if anybody is familiar with what's going on with the FDA, they're they're we're in a battle, you know, for our lives basically, for our for our careers in this industry with the FDA, and if they have their way, it's going to be very difficult to have innovation or new cigars. Or doesn't mean cigars are going to go away. It just means a lot of the people that walk into stores and say, what's new? That's going to go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of new cigars, a lot of boutique companies, they may go away. Um, there's, it's pretty harsh what the FDA is trying to do. So Taranio is sitting on 10 blends that are predicate approved back from before 2007 when they've they've assigned this date to it grandfathered in grandfathered in yeah. exactly you've heard about this and uh and so we were going to release the first version of the legacy collection which will be exodus 59 mm. exodus 59 50 year anniversary cameroon 1916 and casa torano the connecticut oh, nice. so okay. that'll be the first uh legacy collection release and we're trying to figure out, uh, they'll be very minor. It won't be as drastic as the colorful boxes. It won't be any of that. It'll be it'll be more subtle changes to it. Maybe a footer band on the cigars, tying them all together. And uh, and we're, we're looking at lower. The, those cigars were eight, nine, and $10. We're gonna lower the, the, the price point. We'll have one size and we'll lower the price point, maybe a Toro. And, 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 and then we'll have a fifth vault coming out next year which will be a, hopefully a collaboration with somebody. And uh, mm -hmm. something, something, uh, something to give Taranio a punch in the arm. Yeah. So. Uh, you, br you brought up, and I don't want to ask about the baggage, but you talked about going through a transition as a family business to a larger entity, right? And then you not being there and then coming back. What would be, as you made that decision to come back, what were some of the commitments that you wanted to make sure, if you're going to come and be the ambassador, what do you want to, what are the values that you want to communicate to everybody? 
Um, does that question make sense? It, it does make sense. I, I, but I wanted to I, see the thing when General bought the brand, they didn't know what they were going to do with it. Yeah. So it actually laid flat for a year, which is there's nothing worse in this industry than your cigar not not being promoted, not doing anything. It'll right. just go away. Um, that that's part of the baggage. But from day one, I mean, a month after the sale happened, after the dust settled, I was on the phone with General through emails, and I was trying to get hired. I didn't come to this industry to work for another brand. I came right. to work for my family's brand and my father's legacy and, and to continue that. You know, we were in year 99 yeah. you know, wow. uh, of our family in the, in the industry, and then all of a sudden that was just going to go away. So I fought really hard. Um, and actually gave up at one point because I got nowhere with the old president of General Cigar. And uh, when they when they let him go and hired a new guy, everything all the wheels started again. So, but I, you know, within a, within a month of the sale of Taranio, I was fighting to get back to the brand. Mm. And so, what's the legacy that you want to protect? Uh, Taranio's always had a, 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 a great following, a great legacy, a great. Um, you know, we've always been known for a good price point, a great cigar at a great price point. I, I want to continue that. You know, we had a cigar called Loyal, and it was kind of a tribute to our loyal customers. Mm -hmm. And it was a $5 cigar. You know, we've mm -hmm. never been known for that north of $10 cigar. And, and, I, and I'd, I'd like to keep that premium cigar at an affordable price legacy continuing it. You know, we transitioned over the 100 years. We went from, thank you, we went from uh, from growers to brokers of the leaf to manufacturers of other people's cigars to manufacturers of our own cigars. So in Cuba, we had 17 farms that that the Castros saw saw fit to take from us. So, Well, and I think that's a great transition. Why don't you tell us the family story? So my, my, my grandfather, Santiago, who uh, emigrated from Spain to Cuba in 1914, began in the tobacco business in 1916. He bought a farm and started growing tobacco. And when my father and his two brothers became of age, they continued that. It, it just expanded. We, 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 like I said, we, we, by the revolution, we had 17 farms. And we were making the majority of the tobacco that was being used in Cuba. And... Um, and once a revolution hit and we were kind of chased out of there, my dad went to Nicaragua. And if you read some of the books about the start of tobacco in Nicaragua, it mentions my father. If you read some of the books about the start of tobacco in the Dominican Republic, it mentions my uncle Carlos Torano. And, and, and who was your father? What was his name? Jaime Torano. Jaime Torano. So, so Carlos was credited with, he took seeds with him when he left Cuba to the DR. The seeds that he took that day are now known as the Piloto Cubano, the, a very popular tobacco that's used in a lot of blends. And that credits back to the Taranio family. So there's a, there's a lot of history that, that, that goes into it. And then Carlos Taranio, as legend goes, um, there was a fire at one of the barns in the DR and he started yelling at the workers there and dropped dead of a heart attack. Wow. Which is unlike it because Taranos are very level-headed and calm. So, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> As all good people. <laughs> so, so, uh, so. I, I gotta. Every time I lose my temper, I gotta think back to my uncle Carlos. <laughs> stay calm. The barn's stay burning. Calm. The barn's burning. Yeah, settle, the barn, down, settle, settle down. Settle down. So, uh, my dad passed away in 1974. My dad was a lot older than my mom, and uh, and I was 13 at the time. If if I think my dad had lived till I was in my 20s, this would have been my calling my whole life. But when my dad passed away and when I was 13 years old, tobacco kind of left my side of the family. Mm. You know, it was out of, out of sight, out of mind, basically for us. And then, um, and then the, con the company continued with my two half brothers who then brought in Carlos Taranio, who is the one that's, which is seniors son and uh he was never in tobacco in cuba never part of anything he was an accountant and they brought him on board to be the accountant for Tor toraño y compañía the the our, 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 my father's company and my two half brothers never had that passion for cigars so mm. and in the 70s it was tough to give this stuff away i mean right. you, you, you cigars were a dying industry in yeah. the 70s and 80s and um and my um 
my two half brothers soon left the, the business and left it to Carlos, who persevered through some very difficult times to the boom in the 90s. But there's many stories of the lights being disconnected and, and being kicked out of an office and not being able to pay the bills in the 80s. And, and Carlos struggled through a lot of those times to keep, keep the name alive and, and the brand going. And, uh, and at that time, we, near the end of the 80s, we had two factories and, and, and a bunch of fields in Nicaragua. So, so the, it was thriving. We were doing cigars for CAO. We were doing cigars for Gurkha. We were doing cigars for a lot of private labels. And, um, and then one day, he decided, why aren't we making our own cigars? And it was like 1995, we started making the Taranio brand of cigars. And that pretty much brings us to the sale and to where I'm sitting today. <laughs> <laughs> and Thank so, you so much. Yeah, and so when did you, not this latest iteration, but you said it kind of left your side of the family. When did you re-enter? Well, in the, in the 80s, I worked out of a little uh, warehouse on 8th Street, 56 and 8th Street, for about five years selling leaf tobacco with my grandfather. He was selling videos with George. I was. I was. That was after. After? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'd already done the video store thing with, uh, with Mr. George Miliang, who's sitting back here. But we'll talk about George in a little while. In a little while. They got questions about this. We're going to bring, we're gonna have to bring George up to the mic to get some uh, corroboration for some of these stories. <laughs> and then, uh, so again, though, we're in the 80s, and guys like Ernesto Perez Carillo, his dad, and these people used to come to buy leaf tobacco from us on A Street, and they couldn't even pay their bills. Hmm. Um, it was an industry that was, it was something your grandfather did, and they were dying. Right. right. So, so I was in there a little. I left in the 90s, and the boom hit. So I, 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 uh, timed, I timed it, right. it beautifully. <laughs> I timed it beautifully. Um, my grandfather passed away. I kept the warehouse for about a year and couldn't maintain that. And, uh, and, and I left the industry and, and moved to Chicago a few years later and heard about the boom, <laughs> this, this tobacco boom that oh, was going that on. Oh, that seems to cigar. be going well. That would wow. be. So what brought cigars back? And, and that brings me to a little story about George, because we had a video store before Blockbuster, and then we shut the video store down or sold the video store, and then Blockbuster hits huge. We were having trouble renting, what were we renting? Betamax, Betamax yeah. and VHS at the time. <laughs> and uh, it was a struggling industry, and we leave, and boom, the video boom hits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you asked a question. What brought cigars back? What, what led to the boom? I, I you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of speculation on what it was. Cigar aficionado started at that time. Michael Jordan was mm. winning championships with cigars in his mouth uh, that attracted millennials. Not not millennials at the time, but it, it, you know, yeah, m- youngins. Back there, baby boomers. Yeah. Baby X, boomers. X, X generation yeah. Xers. The and there was a lot of. It became cool to have a cigar. And all of a sudden, you you couldn't make enough cigars. I mean, anything you made, and and the, there was good and bad there because it's a lot of crappy cigars on the market back then because they, anything you made would sell, and they were being rushed out to the market. So. Yeah. So well, you know, you 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 get into the industry, and you um, how, how long how long that was like ninety five was that right at the at when when the ninety five when the Torano started developing their cigars you got into it no 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 absolutely not i was again i had i was getting ready to move to chicago to to work in the uh tv and radio music uh business with my brother so we started doing music for tv and radio commercial uh commercials and and i always stayed close to the family i I attended a few big smokes with them i had you know i always stayed in contact with charlie and carlos who many times wanted me to come back and work but hell the commercial business was doing really well yeah so it was actually out of a need that I came back. <laughs> okay. Then when it, when it took a downturn, I guess. Um, so your family has been in the cigar industry. That's a, over 100 years now. 101 years and counting. That's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. What, what region of, uh, of Cuba, obviously? Uh, Pinat de Rio. Yeah. We had some farms. Vuelta Abajo. Yeah. We had farms. The family lived in, in Havana. But, uh, yeah. In Havana. But now, have any, have any, any, has anybody from your family, are you gone, gone back to Cuba at all? Has anybody from my family? Has that you know from, of, yeah. No, right? 
No, nobody from my family's come back. But I, you know, it's funny because I always told my mom always said to me, "Promise me that you'll never go back as long as Fidel Castro is alive." Because back then, that generation assumed that the moment he died, it would change. Right. Yeah. And I, I made her that promise. But yeah. now I'm ready to go to Cuba. He's dead. Yeah. Nothing's changed, but he's dead. Right. But, uh, you know, I think things are changing. Yeah. You, you've been there a bunch of times. I've been there a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've, some of us here have been, have been a couple times. So, yeah. so you, you go, um, tell us more about that because I, I for, because people listen to this, well, we, we think people listen to this around the country. <laughs> um, so if people are listening to this and we, we let, we do talk about the Cuban experience a little bit and I don't want to dwell too much on it, but why not go back? Why not go back yeah. when Castro was alive? Why not go back at all? Like, because even now, no, I want to go. I want to go back now. Right, right. Well, you want to go back now, but if we look at the Cuban exile community and the and the second and third generations, nobody wants to go back yet. What well, is I it? think more and yeah. more are going back. Um, you know, it's been fifty-five years. It's not yeah. working. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know what to do. I mean. Uh, I certainly don't have those answers. See, I, I've been back a few times, and then I, but I, I, I perceived this. Were you this, born there? I was not born there. Okay. I'm not going back. See, but that's interesting. I'm saying, well, going back. I never went back. I, I went. I was made yeah. in Cuba. Yeah, <laughs> I came you would my be mom's belly. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So you technically would be going back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but if, but there's a reason why people don't go back, and it's, and even still today, I think it's just this that that's. Well, same it, it, I think it's the history, the, yeah. the respect for their parents. Of course. You yeah. know, a, a lot of I, I could have never gone back to Cuba with my mom and dad alive. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have been, <laughs> I would have been. You, you're going to stay there if you go there. <laughs> I would have never been alive. That yeah. would have never been acceptable. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure it won't be acceptable if I decide to go back at any moment to, exactly. uh, to some of my family. So. Yeah, and, and, and again, we're, we're looking at, at a history of, of loss and, and of, of uh, having to, to leave everything behind for so many families. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and millions of people affected over 55 years. I mean, it's easy and for outsiders to look in and say, you know, you guys should forget about it and time has passed. But it wasn't personal to them. Yeah. You know, it was personal to us. And, and, and it's difficult. It's difficult to let go and uh, to let go of, of what was done to my family. And, you know, and I had that, that, that discussion with a lot of people in Chicago, um, a lot of my American friends in Chicago that... They, they didn't understand why I wouldn't go back, and they were all dying to go to Cuba. And it's like, what are you dying to go to Cuba for? Yeah. You know, drinking, 13-year-old girls. Yeah, yeah. What, what are you trying to go back to Cuba for? Yeah. So we, we had many of those discussions, and I would always end the same way. It's not personal to you. It's personal to... Exactly. You know, you well, imagine if you and your family were kicked out of this country and sent to Poland to a country that you don't speak that language and have to reinvent yourself and you were kicked out by some tyrant and let me know how long it'll take you to forgive and forget. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting because you spent time in Chicago. Mark and I grew up just outside Chicago and the, the whole experience, the whole idea is not, it's not a known story. That's one of the reasons why we like doing this show is like telling that story. Yeah. People don't know what happened Cuba is an afterthought, an abstract. A lot of us don't understand why there was an embargo. Like it, it's just kind of lost. And and and, and it's funny because in the in the industry I'm in now, a lot of people say, you know, it, it's time for the embargo to end. It's got to end, and it's all for Cuban cigars. It's not about Cuban cigars, right? You know, it's 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 a lot more personal than that. I mean, I know you want it to end because you want to go to your local store and buy a Cohiba, but it's not about that. So I'm going to go online and buy it. Okay. I've, I've got a question about yeah, yeah. that. So, Marcos, you've been a couple of times. Victor, you've been before. <clears throat> and I know, you know, a lot. We, we get together, we smoke pretty regularly. And you've often said, Marcos, that the cigars you can buy there, some of them are, are phenomenal, but some of them aren't that good. And I, I'm curious to, to hear um, Jack's opinion on that. Um, I've been told that the tobacco that's grown in the Dominican Republic, that's grown in Nicaragua, is, is even better now than what is grown in Cuba now. What's your opinion on that? Well, absolutely. You've got a country that's mired in communism for 55 years. You really believe they have the resources to continue to make the best cigars in the world? I mean, they were at one time, but I, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe they have the quality control. I don't believe they have the resources. I don't believe they have enough tobacco 
to continually make the best cigars. So they're being rushed out. Quality is an issue. Construction is an issue. You'll get a good one here and there. I, I was in Spain recently, and I brought back a few Cuban cigars. Shh. One was real. No, you're allowed to. Now. Oh, I was going to say, there's customs agents in the house. So. <laughs> you're allowed to. <laughs> you're allowed. <laughs> I think it's an interesting parallel, and this is an outsider's point of view, so take it you know, with a grain of salt. But there's a strong parallel between the strength and the perseverance of cigars, seed, literally leaving Cuba, going to other places. I'm going to stab Victor with my cigar if I keep gesticulating. And flourishing somewhere else. I think that's a tremendous parallel to the Cuban people. Yes. Leaving leaving Cuba, flourishing somewhere else. It wasn't only seeds. It was the best growers, the best factory workers, the best rollers. All those people have left Cuba. Yeah, and they work for people like the guy behind me, uh, Luis Cuevas, in, in the DR, and they work in Nicaragua, and they work at, at these factories that that have, you know, the, the best growers are now in Nicaragua, honing their skills, uh, growing cigars properly, rotation rested fields. They're right. not, Cuba's growing cigar crop after crop after crop after crop. That's right. Cuban cigars are very mild, very, to me. I mean, but every once in a while you get a good one. You get a good one. But I think Nicaragua is by far, Nicaragua and the DR are by far much better cigars right now than, than, than what's coming out of Cuba and at a much better price point, which brings me back to Tarano. <laughs> yes, please, please, please go on. Yeah, yes, Ambassador. <laughs> Affordable, yet wonderful. Yes, rich in flavor. That's right. We don't have a commercial break here. Sponsored by. We can, no, well, it's, that's coming, but we're we're gonna we're gonna squeeze that one later. Um, <laughs> that's you, by the way. You're, you're the commercial break. Yeah. So okay, so you you're 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 conceived in Cuba and born in Miami. Yes. Okay. Jackson Memorial Hospital. Jackson. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was born in Cedars of Lebanon. I think it was a shithole back then. I yeah. think it's pretty good now, but it was. It was can I say shithole? You can say shithole. Yeah. Okay. We, we say shithole. Yeah. Right. So let me ask you. Uh, so w- what era? Because I don't want to age you, but I'm, we don't we don't care. We don't care. Yeah. I, I, I'm 56 years old now. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not a. Yeah. Nyola, Nyola's right. So what what area did you grow up in in Miami? In Miami, I grew up in South Miami, right here off of 62nd Avenue. That's how I said. Actually, when, when I guess I was just born, but we, we, li- we lived like all the Cubans back then in some little dump off of A Street, and, and my dad got us out of there quickly, and, and uh, I think... Uh, I think I'm hoping it was tobacco that made him a lot of money early, but who the hell knows? You, know, you, you never know, but he seemed to get us a really nice house quickly. This is so, Miami. We don't ask questions. We don't ask yeah, questions. Yeah. Although I did want to ask, Uh-oh. not about that specifically, but what was it like without, you know, not that it involved anybody in your family, but what was it like growing up in Miami back then? I mean, what was Miami like? I mean, it was, uh, you know, we're talking, we, because... We have this frame of reference, at least us here, because we, we're all big fans of Cocaine Cowboys, you know, that documentary and that whole that whole period. I mean... I have no idea what you're talking about. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. It was... Uh, it was uh, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's okay. You, can, you speak freely. Speak freely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, listen, it, it was... It was a crazy time. Yeah. I'm happy we all survived. Right, you're going to stay mum about this. I'm subject. happy we all survived. Okay. That okay. sounds like Can a you fifth. plead Move the on. fifth yeah, yeah, on yeah, one yeah, of these no. shows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, what was, uh, these are, now we're just going to kind of go into some random questions here. What was your favorite song growing up? This will date Holy you crap. What was my favorite song? Your favorite song. Yeah. Did you just hear the brake screech? You know, I was actually. Along with the Chicago uh, Cubs theme here, I was a big fan of the band Chicago in the oh, 70s. Yeah. That was yeah. the first band that I really, you know, other than the Beatles. I was, you know, back then you were either... I was a big fan of making out to Chicago. <laughs> what was his name? Yeah. <laughs> Jack Taran. <laughs> Mom, the uh, So, you know, yeah, the Beatles. We all grew up with the Beatles. My brother was a musician back then in a lot of local bands, so music was a part of my life since. As far back as I can remember, my brother used my my brother used to rehearse in the in the uh, in the living room. So um, you know the, the the guess who 
Chicago. These were all bands that, you know, when I, I remember a big change in my life came about when I saw the average white band on the Midnight Special. And oh, yeah. that just blew me away. And music's always been a part of my life. But a, a favorite song? Yeah, I, I don't know. But Chicago's a great band. Chicago was, was it. In the 70s, yeah. they were just outstanding. Yeah. So I had a, I had a neighbor that, that, um, that had a reel-to-reel, and he had a billiard room. And I was like eight years old, and we'd go shoot pool in his billiard room, and he ran the reel-to-reel. He ran Chicago on the reel-to-reel <laughs> over and over again. And it was just embedded in me. It yeah. Was, it, was, uh, it was really cool. Yeah, it's always interesting because like uh, people might think, oh, you know, you're Cuban and you come to you come to the states and you're listening to bongo music or something, you know. <laughs> and, and the reality is, is that yeah, you know, I, I did listen to bongo music. I still like bongo music, but I I, I appreciated Zeppelin and and end of the '80s. I'm a li- I'm dating myself here. It was you TK's. strike you strike me as a reggaeton guy. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I actually that's where I draw the line. Actually, uh, very very pronounced. I saw line. you dancing to this pasito a little oh, while sure, ago. Oh so. sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, but but I did like TK. And uh, you know, uh, you know, in the, the 80s, the you know, you had the stuff. freestyle stuff, yeah. and uh, we yeah. Depeche Mode, and you order all the, all that stuff. It was great. Yeah, there was a little dance club right next to here called the Parallel Bar. I think. Uh... Yeah, we can talk about that place too. Yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna have to do. We're referring to our friend George. We won't say his last name in case law enforcement is listening. But um, what we want to do is maybe at, at some future show we're gonna interview George and. and uh, Absolutely, I, w- I want to be here for that. He's one of the most interesting men in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. There are literally millions of people named George. Millions of them. Millions. Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's all be cleaned up and edited. It's okay. So would it be inappropriate then to ask, like, what was the biggest trouble you got into when you were when you were a kid growing up in Miami? The biggest trouble I got into, I really, I really somehow have been able to skate the trouble. So I've done a shitload of things. Can I say shitload? You can also you, you say can shitload. Say I've yeah. done a shitload of things that that would have gotten me in trouble, <laughs> but somehow, somehow maybe, I'm 56 and I've never seen the back of a police car. Maybe we so should have a question, Marcos. Maybe it shouldn't be how much trouble did you get into. Maybe it should be how much mischief. Yeah, did you get a into? lot. There's a difference between getting a caught lot. and, and, and doing it. A lot. Yeah, a lot. George and I got into a lot of mischief, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us what George got. That, tell, that somebody <laughs> shouted, tell us what George got into. He, he's going to be a guest on this we'll show. That, that is a question episode. for him. Yeah, we'll have a whole episode dedicated to him. So You don't want to kick him out of the church group, do you? <laughs> Victor, you had a few questions you wanted to ask. Yeah, well, Mary's going to be listening. So aren't you happy you came? <laughs> Earlier you had mentioned that at a certain point, cigars were out of, out of mind. So I was curious, if, if cigars weren't a part of the family legacy... What, would, what do you imagine you would have been doing? I want to say something in music, because um, that was a great part of my life when we were doing the music for TV and radio commercials. I got to sing on a lot of commercials. It was a lot no of fun. Way. My brothers. Uh, Anything we've heard? Probably at the time. I mean, I was on Captain Crunch commercials. I was on <laughs> Velveeta cheese commercials. I was... Uh, uh, I was on a, you know, and, Wait, and as, as you're that Jack Taranya, I'm that Jack Taranya. <laughs> Wait, were you the one that sang the Empire Carpet commercial? <laughs> Empire five eight eight two. And then, and then, as as a, as the the studio, we did we did a campaign called that was at the time it started as Real American Heroes and then ch- transitioned to Real Men of Genius. I don't yeah. know. If you yeah. 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 Those are amazing commercials. We did about oh. two hundred and fifty of those, about okay. hundred and ten of them. Um, saw the light of day, and, uh, and that campaign lasted for about 13 years. That was unfortunately, I wasn't a singer on that. Well, um, that was the guy from Survivor, right? That was uh, David Bickler yeah. from Survivor, yeah. and uh, the voiceover Pete Stacker, who it, it's, it's, my wife and I were watching TV last night, and three of the commercials there's Pete Stacker, there's Pete Stacker, there's Pete Stacker. Yeah, we'll make sure to find some really embarrassing songs and get them in the show notes here. They'll, yeah, be, they'll be on the website. Absolutely. But so, the, the Real Men of Genius campaign was was a highlight of my life. It was a lot of fun working on that campaign, and and and, and that's you can you man. can you can Google those and hear them. Oh, those are the I love that. That was that was brilliant. Yeah. I love that. that <laughs> it, it was. Uh, the one that stands out is the the, the, the giant wrecking ball operator. <laughs> and, it, and it saw the light of day one time because the tagline, Anheuser-Busch was very cautious when anybody complained about anything. And the tagline of that was, uh, 
Here's to you, Mr. Giant Wrecking Ball Operator, because anybody can build a building, but it takes a man with a giant ball to bring it down. <laughs> and and one, one person complained, and Anheuser-Busch pulled it after one, one, one time. One person. One, one lady complained about it. I remember when it switched over from Real American Heroes to Real Men of Genius. After 9-11. Yeah, after 9-11. After 9-11, because Real American Heroes... Yeah. Took a whole new definition. All of a sudden, we had real American heroes. And yeah. the campaign was was dead in the water. And credit uh, the advertising agency DDB uh, Chicago, Chicago. They uh, they transitioned to real American, real men of genius. Yeah. And uh, and Mr. Footlong Hot Dog Inventor and too much, too much <laughs> Like Mr. Uh, taco Salad. Yeah, taco salad. We gave you six inches, but you wanted more. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's really interesting. One person complained. I wonder if we called and complained about. Budweiser, if that would get pulled. I don't know about no? that. Oh. It's worth shots, a shot. Shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. Too, much? too soon? Too much? I had a question. So the cigar industry, similar to like distilled spirits and, and some of these other time-honored you know, industries, it, there's a lot said about the tradition and the, the things that happen over many, many years. I'm particularly interested. You know, I'm in the tech industry and... I'm interested in what role innovation plays in the cigar industry, and you've been in the industry for many, many years. So well, I'm sure it'll be it'll be less and less if the FDA has their way. Okay. Uh, because there won't be any more new releases. Basically, what what was what was uh, filed, wh- whatever paperwork was filed for before August eighth of last year, and a lot of companies that had the resource filed a thousand different brands, mm-hmm. uh, but. You won't be able to release anything, anything new. Innovation will take a big hit, which, which is very sad because this, this industry, you're always looking for that, that what's new cigar, what's, what's new out there, yeah. what's new and unique, and, and, and that part of the industry will go away if the, if the FDA doesn't change. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit specifically about what happened last year on August 8th? Then? August, the 8th, August 8th was, is, was the date set forth by the, by the uh, FDA when all... All the paperwork had to be filed for your grandfathered in. They came in, and, you know, we knew it was coming, and we knew the date was February 15th, 2007. And then a few years ago, they said, okay, you have till August 8th of 2016 to submit all the paperwork for those brands that were on the market February 15th, 2007. And they will be grandfathered in and don't have to be submitted for testing. Anything that comes after that will have to be submitted for FDA approval. And Similar it, to how cigar, uh, cigarettes have the FDA warning label. And, and I believe since that happened, there's been one cigarette, one new cigarette has been approved in the last wow. five years. So there's no guarantee they'll approve anything after that. So as an example, uh, Tarano Exodus 1959, I know all of us really enjoy that one. Yeah. So those are still being made. Those yes. are, you know, in the factory now. But because that particular brand was around prior to that date in 2007, we can continue getting new cigars under that brand. Well, here's the beauty. Not prior to that date. On that date. Oh, okay. They had to be on the market February 15, 2007. Okay. So you have to show proof of that. Now, there's many ways we can show proof of that. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, yeah, I mean, listen, if there's one thing we've all learned about government regulation is it's full of loopholes. So... You know, if we have to go that route, I don't, who knows? Who knows how it'll work out? I mean, you'll you'll still be able to walk into your favorite cigar shop and buy a cigar. It won't be like Australia. That Australia is almost like the porn industry. You gotta you walk in and they show you a catalog and you pick what cigar you want. They go behind a curtain and they bring it to you. So there's none of this humidor stuff. It'll it, it hopefully it'll never get to that. But but uh, yeah, we but it, it it definitely you'll you'll see. You know, the, the general cigar, the Altidus, the Swisher, the Davidoff will dominate the industry. Okay. Their brands, the people that have the most resources will, will, will dominate. Fuente Padron, they'll never go away. Yeah. You know. Well, man, this has been, I don't know, anybody have any other questions? Well, I was going to say, some of our listeners, um, they have not spent too long smoking cigars and they're trying to get into cigars. I think it's pretty easy to tell the difference between a bad cigar and a good cigar. I say that all the time. But how do you tell, what's the difference between a good cigar and a great cigar? It's different for everybody. Everybody's palate is different. You know, people are, you know, they, you kind of know what cigars are blended for strength, what cigars are blended to be, you know, mild, what, what, but 
I, I, I've had cigars that have been blended for strength that someone will smoke and say, that, that's mild to me. Everybody's palate's different. So it's very subjective. You know, at every event we do, somebody will come up and say, well, out of the Toronto lineup, what do you recommend for me? Well, I, I don't know you. You, you know, tell me a little <laughs> bit about tell me a little bit about what you like to smoke, what you've been smoking, what your, you know, what do you favor Nicaragua? Do you know enough to favor Nicaraguan tobacco, or Dominican tobacco, or or Honduran tobacco? Tell, tell me a little bit about before I can recommend anything to you. Yep. And uh, Mr. Woody. Mr. Woody's in a hurry oh, yeah, to get to the bathroom. <laughs> That's a perfect lead-in to. Um, I want to play a little game. Uh -oh. And I'm going to be testing a little bit of your cigar knowledge, but I'm, I'm going to say a, a celebrity who's associated with Miami in some way, either they lived here or they're born here. Pitbull. And, and you're going to tell me what cigar you'd recommend to them based on just knowing very little about them. So first one, Sylvester Stallone. He's from Miami. He well, lived, he lived Miami, here for yeah. a while. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, off a of brickle or something. Uh, I think Stallone actually does smoke cigars. What re what cigar I would recommend of mine yes. or of any? Of any, of any. Of any cigar? I don't know, Stallone, that's Rocky. He's got to smoke strong cigars, man. I'd, 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 I'd <laughs> give him a good, good Romacraft or, or my boys at Espinosa, Hector back there. They got nice, strong cigars for Rocky. Rocky's got to smoke a strong cigar. All right, Rocky smokes a strong cigar. How about Gloria Stefan? Mild. She's got to go with. A, she's got to go with a Casa Torano, Connecticut, man. She's a. All right. She's a lightweight. And I think we're back to strong Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton, uh, he might get injured smoking a cigar, man. It doesn't take too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. He, might, he might burn his nose or something. I wouldn't. I wouldn't let him smoke. I wouldn't let him near an open flame. And now, uh, Mr. Worldwide Pitbull. Pitbull. I mean, Pitbull, you got to put a Cohiba in his, you know, a Cuban Cohiba. He's all about, about, look at me. So, you know, he's, he's, you got to, you got to, he, if Gucci had a cigar, he'd be smoking it. <laughs> See, that's, I think that's, a, that's the third negative mention on our podcast. That maybe some of them We should work it into yet. every Dale. episode. But he's, we're never going to get him on the show. We, we need to interview yeah. Pitbull. This is really, this Was really there a nice. shot you were yeah. getting him on the show? <laughs> it's a bigger podcast than I thought. If he wants to take us on. Oh, we have. He knows where to find us. Info hey, we got Jack. Exile. This is really embarrassing because we've been emailing. I'm trying to get him on the show. This is, this tell, is him, tell him to not watch episode five. <laughs> All right, so we had a question from the, 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 the gentleman here and the ladies that are here with us. Uh, what The question was, Explain uh, the, the the different flavors and strengths of the of the leaf from a t uh, from a tobacco stock. Wow, you know Connecticut's are associated with with mild cigars. The Lijero the Lijero leaves give strength to a cigar. You know you got to have my boy Hector. He's he my boy. Oh, Hector left. Well, Hector Hector's a blender for Espinosa, and he 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 Luis Cuevas would know the leaves better than I do. Um, I'm certainly not a master blender by any any. I, I rely on guys like like Luis and, and his dad and people like that at, at, at factories. You know, when I when I blend a cigar, when I'm involved in blending a cigar, we rely heavily on the people, the workers at the factory. You know, they're in place for a reason. And we'll tell them what wrapper we might want that's missing from our portfolio or what strength we want or what flavor profile, what, what kind of notes that we want coming out of that cigar. And by the time we get to the factory, we have 20 samples that kind of run the spectrum of what we've asked for. That's amazing. And then we start narrowing it down from what there. What a fun process yeah, to yeah, smoke yeah. those cigars yeah. and say. So, yeah. so, um, so definitely, so and, and it's funny because a lot of times we'll get there and the factory worker, you know, the, the, the guy at the factory will say, this is the cigar you need to try. Okay, but we want to try the other 22, but it'll always go back to that first one that he recommended. <laughs> your, you know? your initial tests were inconclusive. You have to keep running the yeah, tests. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but again, you get to the factory and you start doing that. I mean, when I, I, worked, I worked on a cigar um, with a guy named Sam Lacia, and, and it was uh, it the final blend, and we got there, and we, the first cigar we tried in the morning, at 8 in the morning, we loved it. We sampled 32 cigars that day. Holy cow. You only smoke about an inch of them, but think about it. That's a 32-inch cigar we yeah, smoked yeah. that day. <laughs> so halfway through it, they kept asking my opinion, and I'm like, they all taste the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't taste anything different anymore. 
Um, and we went back to the original blend we tried at 8 in the morning, became the final blend. Did you ever hear the joke uh, about George Burns, who smoked 10 cigars a day? So the reporter asked George Burns, they said, what does your doctor think about that? Or is, is it true you smoke 10 cigars a day? He said, yes. What does your doctor think? He said, I don't know. They're both dead. <laughs> yes. yes. So I'm kind of curious. This is like almost non sequitur, but just out of curiosity, what are, what are you watching these days? What on, am I watching? On TV or Netflix or who, I did, We just got over Billions. I absolutely love the show oh, Billions. Yeah. Um, I, am, I am a newbie. I'm starting Game of Thrones in season seven. <laughs> so I, 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 watched, I watched two shows. My wife's a big Game of Thrones fan, and I, I watched a couple of them last year with her, and it was pretty cool. Well, they went through six seasons of Winter is Coming, and you started when Winter was here. I, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I'm not going to go back. I don't care how much I love season seven. I'm not going to go back and watch. Uh, it's just too much. It's yeah, too much. yeah, it's too much. If it was two, a couple seasons, I, I may go back. But look, anybody, you know, I, so she spends the whole show telling me what what's going on. Anybody <laughs> that you haven't seen yet's dead. So that I mean, it's, it's okay. Yeah. They, they they die a lot. Well, yeah, they they started yesterday, killing half of them. <laughs> yeah, killing a room full of people. Spoiler alert. Well, oh, here you go. I have a question from the audience. Here is uh, to to date, what's been your favorite blend, or one that maybe you go back to a lot, or. Out of the Taranio brand or uh, out of the Taranio brand? Okay, out of the Taranio brand, the Casa Taranio, the Connecticut. It's a cigar that we developed at the factory for um, when we're there, we're constantly smoking all day long, all day long. So they wanted something mild that they could smoke all day long. And we developed it just for the factory. And the more visitors that came, kept, kept the, as the story goes, they kept saying, you guys need to release this cigar. It's a fantastic cigar. And then we released it under Casa Torano. That is to date. I'll, every morning I have a coffee with that Casa Torano unless I run out. But, but, um, but that Connecticut is, is it for me out of, in the last couple of years, uh, that Hoyo La Amistad, the original version, was, was definitely my favorite cigar. That's a fantastic cigar. Yeah, so... So we can still pick up that the Casa Torano cigar with that label. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Okay. Right. Yeah, and the most that, the most that'll change about it is we'll, we'll probably add a footer band that says Legacy on it. Okay. So, right. so yeah. <coughs> All right. So, so Jack, I'd, I'd like for you to recommend a cigar to me. Um, I'm not a celebrity. Not yet. Yet. But... Um, I will be welcoming into the world my first child this December. It's a girl. Um, if it was a boy, I'd say we're probably going to name him Jack, but we're not going to do that to her. Okay. But <laughs> Jackie. Yeah, Jackie. Jackie. Perfect. <laughs> what cigar would you recommend to me? To celebrate, smoking, to, celebrate birth, to celebrate the birth. To celebrate the Exodus 1959 yes. gold. Yes. Absolutely. Beautiful. The Exodus cigar. 59 gold. That, 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 that's a celebratory cigar. Right All right. Thanks, I'll hook sir. you up. I'll hook you up, Victor. We'll, get, we'll make it happen. He right. knows a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, you're invited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So we're going to wrap it up. And as we do, I'm going to whip out this... Amazon Anaconda. I'm excited. That, that, that sounds like awful. That. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mark, could, could you bleep I that? I beg out? your pardon. I've never been more happy. This is an audio podcast. I was waiting like 30 minutes to say that. We could try and interrupt and end the show. But Jack, thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you very much. Thank you to thank everyone you who came out tonight to oh, Cigar yes. Cellar. And thank you to Cigar Cellar. Ria, thank you so much for hosting us here tonight. Ria. Ria. Cellar Cigars. No, I'm sorry. Cigar Cellar. Uh, <laughs> Thank you.